0: You're
1: listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to the Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about exalted. I'm your host Corey, and joining me today, as always, are Charles, and Jim. How's it going? but we also have a very special guest with us today we have been so excited to talk to this guy we have exalted's very own eric minton Woo! <laughs> how's it going eric doing okay how you doing we're awesome man we're just glad to be sitting here talking to you oh cannot oh, wait yeah. Can't wait to get into a bunch of questions We've got questions Listeners have questions That we've gathered from around the web But first of all we got a little bit of news this week This week in the news We have three new adversaries released for us In the Adversaries of the Righteous And the Hundred Devils Night Parade And we have got some very cool ones this week So... Of the three, you know, we had in the in the adversaries of the righteous, we had adamantus. I mean, how cool is this guy? Yeah, I like this. Yes, one. <laughs> Charles, I think you you personally were saying that this one was just really straight up your alley, right? I
2: am. I'm once again blown away by how. Um, <sighs> I don't know i'm kind of worried that onyx path has bugged my home and it's like (laughs) we know what this guy's running we know what he needs here you go charles because i kid you not this thing is the you know we said last time that the susuris was like oh man this is the perfect big bad end guy for my first story you know like custom made for me and then they come out with adamantus who was like, well, you've got your first villain. This is the end villain for your entire chronicle, and I'm, right. I'm it's kind of amazing how that keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> like it fits, it fits every beginning idea I had for how I wanted my chronicle to go. All contained. I within know. one you know, antagonist. You say that,
1: but I mean, I'm just kind of thinking that maybe you're just really
2: lazy. You're
3: just like, <laughs> oh, look, no, here's something see, new. See, that's, that's
2: not it. It, it. This this guy really is like, well, I don't want to say too much in case my players ever decide to listen, which we know All they right. won't. But I, I was going to like ask Eric if your house antagonist. was
4: bugged, and he said something like, I can neither confirm nor deny,
2: <laughs>
1: or something like that. But I told him I wouldn't well, for ask. Those- for those... I mean, we, we've been talking about him here for a second, but Adamantus is actually a fair folk. I guess you'd say like a noble or something. He's he's an Essence five, uh, fair folk, Raksha, and he has one of the coolest stories that I have yes. seen for a Raksha ever. Uh, just some really cool stuff with a city that's like out of time. And um, some... <laughs> one, definitely the coolest... Uh, vulnerability I've ever seen. You know, we know that Fay are often uh, vulnerable to cold iron, but this guy's vulnerable to illiteracy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 so, so yes, this they've definitely given us here the framework for an entire series, complete with an amazing boss and everything. You you get this one thing for Adamantus, and you're going to have story seeds. Uh, oh, you're yeah. going to have the main bad guy. You've got everything right there. So what a cool, cool addition to the so adversaries awesome. of the righteous. Yes. And then the other two we got are also very cool. We got an Arox, uh, which I is like really neat. Yeah. I mean, big, nasty, uh, <laughs> Murmur- giant bull. Yeah. Cow. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> well, Corey, I designed that lunar last week with, that was a combination of a bull and a bat. And then when I saw this right. thing, I was like, no, 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 it's a bat and this.
1: Right. <laughs> red Arox is like the twenty-four ounce red bull. Right. <laughs> no,
2: when you never want to sleep ever again.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so Arox is very cool, has some really neat special abilities and attacks and whatnot. Check take, take a look at that one. And then the the wall I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. The Walcour. No, um, close enough. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, he's a very cool enemy he's got uh, but there's there's just such a really cool story hook for these I mean these these are like um, some kind of harpy like things that that actually hunt ghosts yeah and I one of the neatest story hooks ever is that your character's loved one who may have died previously one of these could have actually like like attacked the graveyard where your your loved one's ghost resides and carried his or her ghost off into its nest somewhere. And then you have to go hunt hunt this thing down to free like you know your Aunt Margaret or whatever. <laughs> had a good functions. run, Aunt Margaret. <laughs> pass, hard pass. Aunt Margaret yeah. can just she can just be eaten. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, what a cool what a cool enemy. So all three of these I thought were awesome. Uh, Charles, we know your favorite was the adamantis. Jim, what did you think? Which one of these did you sort of resonate with? Oh, you said the arox. Oh guess. yeah, I
4: did like the arox, but uh, I do like. I like when we get fair folk, because yeah, of us Eclipse Cast players can yes. learn some of those charms.
1: Uh, there oh, were a couple. That's right. There were actually two Eclipse charms in the Adamantis thing, and uh, there was at least one of them that was like, "How? Like, <laughs> like, how is this going <laughs> to translate into, a, into an into Eclipse Cast charm? Because it was like pretty specific about right. you know, this particular city or whatever." And I was like, oh, I think I think I just spend my." Uh, 10 experience points on something else but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so eric uh you had a a big hand in these or how are these normally written these adversaries of the righteous and hundred devils night parade is that something that's handled by freelancers or you got, you you and vance have like pretty
0: big input into it how's that go uh well the developer for both of those books is megan fitzgerald Uh, Oh, okay She's part of the development team She doesn't, you know, have a heavy investment in a lot of the core books But we do not have a heavy investment in the books that she's working on Oh, I see So, yeah, she develops everything She works with a bunch of different freelancers uh, Including uh, Vance and myself We've written a few pieces for that Like the Walkur is something I wrote originally for the core book It got cut for space and we moved it into Hundred Devils instead
1: Oh, Oh, cool. Very awesome. Well, kudos on writing what I thought was the coolest hook. Uh, It was just really, really neat there. Thank you. Um,
0: And if it helps to clarify things, Wilkur is in fact in German for Valkyrie. So that's where a lot of that comes
1: from. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Neat little behind-the-scenes insight there. (laughs) Well, very cool. Well, that... Those are the three new, uh, three new adversaries that you have. Go out there, grab those, and start using those in your games. If you're lazy like Charles and just want
2: to, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but in other I'm not lazy. Week... I just respect the professionals. Oh, I see. Okay. You know well, what? I'm... I wouldn't have to be lazy if they would quit making bespoke enemies specifically for my game. <laughs> That's right. If that
1: bug ever gets shut down for whatever reason, oh, you're goodness. gonna be
2: you're gonna be in a world of hurt. Nah, yeah. I'm gonna be in
1: trouble. Yeah. I well, in you. other news this week, and I and this is this is quite big news. We have talked for rather too long now. Too long. Too, too long. Too long, yes, about our Wild Shape actual play podcast. And so this past week, I finally just set I, I, I steeled myself, sat down for what I thought was gonna be like sixteen hours of editing. And it turned out to be only like two. And so, <laughs> 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 so I put out, we, we finally released Wild Shape, episode one, part one. It is available now on the same stream with the deliberative so if you're listening to this right now there's a very good chance you already know that Wild Shape is out because you had to skip over it in order to get to this episode but anyhow (laughs) take a listen to that we hope to have part two available of episode one this week however this is the episode that takes 16 hours to edit and so (laughs) I will try I will try to get it out I I think I'm just over uh, 30 minutes in of like actual time on the podcast And so I don't know how much longer I have to go, but I have been working on it already for an insane amount of time. So we'll see, hopefully get it out this week. So check that out. All right, guys. Well, let's talk for just a moment about how your week in creation has been going. And since we have a guest, I'd like to start with Eric. (laughs) Eric, do you, do you actually have an exalted game that you currently
0: play in right now? Not at the moment because we are neck deep in Lunar's development and I really have just not had time to either run or play anything.
1: Ah, uh, I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah, I, with especially with all the all the stuff you guys currently have, the irons that you have in the fire, I would say that uh, I I can't imagine how you would. But I, I guess you've played a lot of games in the past, right? Because you, you've been a fan and then a developer, or fan then writer then developer. So, uh, do you have any? Um, have any, like, really cool chronicles or whatever that really stand out that uh,
0: that you'd like to share with us? My best chronicle was one that I started right from the beginning at the start of first edition. Um, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really know anything. I believe that Scavenger Sons had just come out and it was the new hotness. Uh, had to keep changing everything as new source books came out and we realized that, no, all the sidereals were in heaven now. but it helped that i had decided from the beginning to change a bunch of stuff around from canon anyway which is is sort of useful practice for actually being the developer and being able to change canon around right yeah yeah and i could tell stories but i won't but it helps that i rewrote up the whole campaign online so if you want to look it up you can totally check it out Oh, well, that's uh, really cool. It's
4: good to know that you play the game because my biggest fear would be like, hey, what what games you play? Oh, uh, I don't play that game. It's for nerds. <laughs> <laughs> God, no. You wouldn't catch me sitting around a table.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that wouldn't be very good, would it? Yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, well, what about you guys, Jim? Uh, how's your week in creation been going? What you been up to? Uh, well, Corey, I am a little
4: full Because the leftover crow that you had to eat last week, I had to go and finish off. Because I made an error in something I said on the podcast last week. No. (laughs) No, no, no. It's first time for everything.
3: Yeah. Uh,
4: So, uh, and the funny thing was, was I was trying to make sure that you guys didn't say something that was wrong. And the entire time, I'm saying the wrong thing. But, yeah, that was uh,
1: awesome. <laughs> but hold on guys hold on we you don't exactly. want to get caught on now yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so the error i
4: made i said that if you're well let me let me it was mountainous spirit expression which says that you can change your current form of a lunar into or into a legendary size and then right. everybody got excited thinking they could make grasshoppers and like houseflies <laughs> legendary and i i told everybody to slow down but um the actual wording of the charm says that if her form has a the tiny creature or minuscule size merit their effects are suppressed now i was thinking the effects of them changing into a legendary would be suppressed but actually it's the tiny and minuscule effects are suppressed so i kind of ran over it real quick and then okay if this was you i I would argue with you Corey, on this up and down but you know i can't argue with robert vance Uh, (laughs) when he corrected me on the board i was like hey buddy well, what is this? Wait. Okay, I read it. Sorry, my bad.
1: <laughs> but you know, I guess the question is, why would you want to argue with somebody who wants a uh, grasshopper well, see, the size here, of a skyscraper? Well, here's another thing I noticed, Corey.
4: <laughs> All of our errors were made penalizing lunars. Yeah. So trying it's to be actually, too conservative. Yeah, right? it's yeah. actually good news that we were
1: wrong because yeah, that's the true. lunars are actually better than what we thought. Yeah, so. even more incredible. Yeah, exactly. Right yeah and i think vance even said you could have like this huge he used the word daikaiju which i think means huge dude but um... (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah so man talk about exciting man this is gonna be awesome can you imagine like my old spider guy being like legendary size spider oh holy crap scariest thing ever (laughs) Well,
4: oh, man. On a, good, on a positive note, I did drink that crow's heart's blood, so now it's uh, in my <laughs> library of things I can change well, into. What I want to
2: know, Jim, is did you sniff it? Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> I just, I actually just passed the part in editing uh, uh, Wild Shape episode one, part two. I just passed the part where there was some very questionable sniffing going on. And so, you know, we have, we have made mention of this sniff thing like several times oh, on goodness. the podcast and some people probably are just like, what in the world? Why do they laugh every time they say sniff?
2: <laughs> You'll see. You will finally see. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, yeah. What about you, Charles? How was your week in creation? You guys had a game this week.
2: We did. Um, I had to try to get things back on track after I briefly introduced a non-combat encounter with the Lunar, by the way, which completely destroyed the story I had written. (laughs) That's that's your
1: fault, buddy. Yeah, Yeah. it (laughs) is. It
2: is. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was just too soon. Um, No, so my players kind of found this new. Uh, area, and it's like this abandoned city that they're starting to rebuild. So they spent a lot of experience points getting some craft abilities, oh, okay. and they're training the populace, and basically they're they're just going to turn this city back into the majesty that it once was. And the cliffhanger I left it on was, um, you know, they're all real hard set against bringing down the dragon bloods and the immaculate order. Right. And so I had one of their citizens uh, exalt as a terrestrial, like saving one of the other townsfolk from a, like a tiger. And okay. I had it happen in front of them. And they were all kind of like, uh, and I was like, yeah, how are you going to rationalize this? See you next week. <laughs> 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 so, so that nice. was pretty cool.
1: Well, very cool well awesome sounds fun well let's take some time now to just really sit back and have ourselves a nice chat with mr eric minton hello we have (laughs) hello (laughs) we've got some really great questions for you but we have to start off with the question that we ask every one of our guests on the show and that is if you could be any exalt type which would you be
0: oh let's go with no moon Ooh, oh,
1: no lunar. another oh, lunar. I thought he was going to say dragon blood. Very cool. All right. Well, since you said lunar, we have to ask the question then. Uh-oh. What would your spirit animal be?
0: Let's say octopus. Why not? Oh, oh wow! wow. wow.
1: Awesome.
0: <laughs> that is a that good one. That
1: is cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm digging that. Wow. All right. Sweetness. Well, cool. Well.
4: You know, ooh, could Just you imagine the, the of... uh, hybrid body transformation on that?
3: With, oh, yeah. Oh. I <laughs> yeah. I
2: was going to say that sounds gross and horrifying. <laughs> <Maybe answer's>
1: answer. <laughs> one one merit point for beak. <laughs> uh, Squiddy. Well, hey, uh we've heard or I've heard that you advance sort of as developers on the line and I guess there are there could be people listening who don't know that you're one of the the two developers for the Exalted line two main developers and uh, Robert Vance being the other one and I've heard that you and Vance sort of split things up with him focusing mainly on like mechanics and things and you on story and setting but is that actually the way that, that works is that do I have that right or, is, or am I just way off base there
0: I mean that's the gist of it we both work on everything you know, right. I, I edit his mechanics, he edits my setting, we look at each other's stuff. Um, but yeah, he primarily focuses on mechanics. I focus primarily on setting and, you know, administration and management and logistics and all that boring stuff. Is right. that
2: because you prefer the setting over the mechanics, or...
0: Uh, yeah, is... and also he is just a stronger mechanics guy than I am.
2: Gotcha. Okay.
1: All right. Well, what exactly because um, Jim had been mentioning this week and and I think that it's a good point that, you know, we we listen to the pathcast and we hear all about, you know, freelancers, developers and all that kind of stuff. But it can be unclear to folks exactly what a developer does, you know, just kind of as your normal day to day. At when you're going through uh, developing a new book and all that kind of stuff, what what actually is the kind of the the core of what you're doing?
0: Um, screaming at the screen. Uh... <laughs> 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 oh man! <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, it's a lot of stuff because we have to shepherd every book from coming up with an idea, writing a pitch, getting the pitch approved, writing an outline, getting the outline approved, Uh, going through uh, submissions from dozens of different new writers, figuring out what writers to assign to what pieces of the project, and then getting their first drafts, redlining them, which is basically just editing, and then sending them back, getting second drafts, putting them all together into a manuscript, and then spending a month or so just hammering away at it until it's you know a single piece of text rather than a dozen different separate manuscripts and then we send it off and then we work on art notes and then we get art sketches back and we say no change this and then we get color roughs and then we comment on those and yeah there's a lot of stuff involved
1: that sounds that actually sounds really dang fun though i mean especially since it's something that i know you're really passionate about it's really uh this is a hobby and a job and so i would imagine that all of that stuff is is pretty dang fun I know that it wasn't
0: fun. I would not be doing it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: I understand the screaming at the screen thing though, because sometimes, (laughs) especially (laughs) since you're relying on so many other people to, uh, to provide input and you know, their talents and whatnot, they don't always line up with your own. And sometimes that, that could be the source of a great amount of frustration, I'm sure. But, um, well, that's cool. That's, that's really fun. I I just think that would be a really neat thing to do.
0: It's exciting. It also is, takes up more of my time than my day job i don't really have much of a social life anymore which is not great but you know it's it's a sacrifice
2: it sounds like as the developer you do less writing and more of making sure that people who submit writing for a specific task like oh we need you know setting material for the call so you task someone with doing that and then you go over it and make it kind of all feel like a homogenous volume so if that's the case do you prefer still being a developer and being in charge of the overall direction even though that might mean you get um you don't get to write quite as much or did you kind of prefer writing more or am I not understanding how that kind of works
0: no you are understanding it uh I kind of miss writing but I do assign myself some writing assignments, and I am finding more and more that when you're multitasking at this level, switching back and forth between writing and other things gets really hard. So I'm probably going to do a lot less writing going forward, which is eh. But on the other hand, there are generally places during development where we have trimmed down people's prose, and now we have an extra 5,000 words that needs filling up. So there's always still going to be writing that developers do.
4: Cool. Eric what is your absolute f- favorite part of the setting and how is it being treated
0: in third edition oh man I do not deal with favorite X very well I'm like <laughs> I like a million things which one do I pick for this it would be pretty arbitrary really well,
4: well let me uh, rephrase it what is something that you think what, what piece of setting do you think is improved in third edition that's a good like, question
0: yeah Oh, geez, a lot of things. Um, certainly the West overall, it's gone from, you know, three places, one of which is designated as being so boring you don't want to go there, to, you know, trying to actually have an entire direction full of different places that you have various reasons to go to and do things.
1: Right. Absolutely. And, of course, the uh, the call is quite a big part of that. And we've talked very recently on this show about the call and, uh, and then about the Forest Witches, which was just a really neat thing uh, that you know we saw during the Kickstarter and whatnot. And so we, we tried to dive into what's been done with Forest Witches and other editions and whatnot. So these, these two things, the Call and the Forest Witches, are pretty near and dear to us. And so a question I would ask then is, will we be getting more information from the Lunar's perspective on the Call in the Lunar's book? Or, or do you th- think that everything uh, about the Call... Is already in the realm that we'll need to have
0: there will be a section on the call in lunar signs at the gate it's not going to be quite as long or detailed because you already have most of the geography and basic setup set out okay. in the realm but this will present more information from the lunar side of things
1: okay very cool that's what i was awesome. hoping that it would be yeah now we know that the uh the dragon blood companion uh volume which is the heirs of the shogunate has some stretch goal stuff about forest witches in there but is that all that's currently planned because i know that the the dragon Blood of what fires wrought has you know a two-page spread on the forest witches but then they're never really mentioned anywhere else in the text and then we've got these stretch goals for heirs of the shogunate but is there anything forest witchy in the realm or in any of
0: this other stuff that's
1: being planned
0: uh no everything that we currently have slated for forest which is, is going to be all together in one place in heirs of the shogunate we don't like to have people have to buy five books right. to get all the information on something which sure which happens sometimes i mean look shy is going to be broken up between a couple of books but you know it happens okay all
1: right well that's that's cool all right. Well, and interesting also that look Shy is going to be broken up into a couple of books. So. Well,
0: you got, we put as much as we could into the dragon blooded book, but then when we have to, had the opportunity to write more about it for Heirs of the Shogunate, we did.
1: Okay. I see. I see. And then probably in across the eight directions, you'll have some for the scavenger lands, which would include some look Shy stuff too, right? I mean.
0: Uh, looks Shy is going to come up indirectly in that it's a major player in the Scavenger Lands, but it's not going to have its own section there. It's already been covered in two other books. I see. Um,
1: Okay.
4: Okay. Eric, um, I think I read somewhere that Lunars is getting more animals for people to use uh, in creation of their lunar. Um, But do you think there will be any supernatural... Merits that aren't in the core that will be in the Lunar's book. And how many animals do you think we might be getting? Like a rough number.
0: Mm, I'm not sure how many animals are actually going to get because I've got like a whole bunch of different lists in my mind of animals that we wanted to put in. And I'm not really sure how many actually went in. I think it's like 20, but really don't quote me on that.
4: When I, when I did my uh, bull... Uh, bat combo, I went to the core and took an eagle and basically built a bat close to that using, you know, I took out obviously the talons and changed it with like enhanced senses. So I was using some of the stuff that was available to kind of fill in the gaps on that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, right, but more important, oh, I'm sorry. Regarding your Continue. other question, there are going to be a bunch of merits in Lunar's design to help you build a beast to like attach awesome. you know to your beast forms and such they're not awesome. go- oh cool they're not specifically going to be supernatural merits because by and large natural animals do not have supernatural merits and this is specifically right. uh, to emulate animals
1: oh that cool. is that is awesome i cannot wait to see all of those because that was uh you know when we were first uh kind of looking through some of the play tests and whatnot and and uh looking over that i was i was really missing that second edition big collection of wild uh what were they wild traits or whatever Mm -hmm. and it seemed like all these different books had like new collections of those i was like oh i hope we get more of these in lunar so (laughs) yeah very cool
2: so speaking of the across the eight directions book um we were wondering is that going to be a kickstarter project or is that going to be more like the realm where it's just something that's going to be worked on no no Kickstarter, it just comes as is.
0: Uh, it's more like the realm. Right now, my understanding is the only books that are going to receive Kickstarters are going to be the splat books like Lunars and Exigence and so forth. Oh, right. And that's what I would expect. Specifically which books get Kickstarters is not set in stone. We can't guarantee there will be an Exigence Kickstarter or a Lunar's Kickstarter. We assume there will be because Dragon Blood did really well, but we can't save with any certainty. Oh.
2: Right. Interesting.
1: Well, I think that Lunars is going to do quite well as well. So, (laughs) and if anything about Exogens, yeah, there's there seems to be so much uh, excitement about those. I can't imagine, uh, you know, people going, nah, pass. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So you know, speaking of eight directions, though, the Across the Eight Directions book, uh, you know, you look back at the previous editions. Uh, you know, had all these various setting books and whatnot, like, especially the second edition. I love the way they did that with the uh, five terrestrial and five celestial well, actually turned out to be, I think six celestial, but, um, but the way they kind of did all that and the way the books were structured, it, it they were more like reference books, you know, like you, you, we still go back and grab volumes of those and flip through and like, well, what's this city like, or what, you know, how is this in relation to that? And, and so, but what I've noticed in the, uh, the setting material in the third edition core book is that it's much more story hook based rather than say reference material, right? You read through the section on Ysir or Paragon or whatever and it's just, rather than being a whole bunch of reference information about those areas, it's just story hook, story hook, story hook. So with this across the eight directions, are you planning to bring back kind of like a comprehensive reference book to all of these various places, or is it going to kind of go more with the story hook feel of the third edition core?
0: Hmm. Well, it's definitely not going to take the encyclopedic tack that we had in second edition. Um, it's also okay. not going to be as terse as the core where those write-ups are really tiny. There's not a lot right. of room for any kind of detail or nuance. Um, this is more like uh, Scavenger Sons in First First Edition. Uh, If you've seen the Fajad preview from Kickstarter, that's Mm -hmm. more or less the template we're going to be using going forward, although we're going to have probably twice as much word count on average for pieces in Across the Eight Directions it should okay there's going to be plot hooks there's also going to be you know at least some basic information on you know culture and architecture and clothing and such so you can picture it you have a sense of where you are where what's going on but it's not designed to be a uh fictional encyclopedia
1: right okay the i I know that the um the word hefty, wasn't that the word that was used? <laughs> so, uh, the, you know, it was, I think someone described it as being a hefty volume before, which gets me excited to you know, think about having a, a big old book full of uh, setting information. Would you Would you say that this would be then like a fairly good replacement for the older versions setting material books? or are we still going to need to have a bunch of those around or are you even aiming to be to have like a, a replacement for those older books
0: I'm not really thinking in those terms at all because this is a new edition the material is different the majority of the locations I think are going to be all new they're not places that have appeared in first and second edition and the places that Oh wow and the places that have appeared in first and second edition will have some changes to some extent or another some are going to be pretty close to identical. Some of them are going to have changed significantly. Um, okay. Also, All right. it is a hefty book. It should be about 80% of the length of Dragonblooded.
3: Oh,
1: dang. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay.
4: <laughs> Sweet. Um, I do have a quick question. We did mention, um, or Exigence was mentioned, and I know on the Onyx Pathcast, you talked about, like, uh, a big section on designing your own charms and designing your own exigence, which I love that. But uh, speaking of like God blooded, will they be able to be designed based on those rules or do you have something separate planned for God blooded?
0: Uh, it's, we have something separate planned. One of the soft covers we're planning to do in the near future, ideally shortly after exigence is a book on gods and cults and religions and among other oh, things nice among other things that is slated to include a chapter on god blooded we just turned in the pitch yesterday the day before oh wow hot off the press yeah <laughs> I, mean, I mean the pitch hasn't been approved yet so uh, okay you know, <laughs> but, well <laughs> Hop to the press. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Awesome,
1: man. That sounds really exciting. We were going to ask some more questions about that. Uh, You know, just if there was going to be something to replace kind of the roles of glorious divinity and, you know, this collection of elementals and demons and gods and whatnot. And so it sounds like that's at least covering some of that ground.
0: Yes. um, We're planning to cover gods reasonably thoroughly. Uh, specifically terrestrial spirit courts and such, actual celestial gods, will probably be covered in sidereals proper. Um, This is still something we're we're hammering out the details on. Uh, We're going to include a short ancestor cult section in the book because we don't want people to have to wait until abyssals before they have any information at all in the underworld. And as for elementals and demons We are planning to present some information On that in the sorcery book Which we also submitted a pitch for Because that's where you summon them And so it seems like a lot of (laughs) nice.
4: We gotta build a time machine, Corey (laughs) Go to the future Where all (laughs) these books exist
1: get all the i'm sure i'm sure eric would like to have that too so that he can just go go get it bring it back get paid for it and be done like have a social life back again yeah it would be be. (laughs) that's right who actually created transparent aluminum yeah little star trek 4 joke there for those who would anywho hello computer Um, if we if
3: we weren't already
2: nerds now you know (laughs) From here's whole a different realm Star Trek of nerd. reference
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, gracious. all right charles well, you want to ask your question
2: yeah so i wanted to say that um you know i also had kind of a question about whether third edition was meant to be a replacement to first and second as in you know hey you don't need your first and second books anymore but i feel like what you're saying is, no, that's not really true. We're just going to try to tread new ground in third edition, which is, which is awesome. So my question would be, as a newer player with so much setting material, what should I focus on? Like, What would be the priority for a new player or a new storyteller to focus on lore-wise in order to run like a good Exalted game?
0: Um, your primary focus should be to pick a small part of the setting and focus on that, because trying to swallow creation in one gulp is not going to help your campaign. Right. Er- right. Eric right. Mitten
4: yeah. confirms: <laughs> start small. <laughs>
3: That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: you have established our cred, Eric. Thank
1: you. Yeah. I <laughs> my best. Yeah, we were just we were talking about that. What was that? Last week we talked yeah. about. That? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Right. Well, I recently saw on Reddit where you gave alchemical fans <laughs> like me some hope for alchemicals in this edition. Uh, as somebody said, oh, yeah, I heard the devs weren't going to, you know, they, they were going to move away from alchemicals. And you're like, whoa, whoa, hold on. That wasn't us. That was the previous devs. So, uh, and I know you weren't, like, confirming anything there. But do you, let me just ask it like this. Do you personally like the idea of alchemicals? And do you think that they could have a cool place in third edition?
0: i like them they are the most modular part of the game we probably will produce some chemical material if we have time and sanity at the end of the year (laughs) decade century but oh gosh (laughs) it's it's low on the priority list we have so many things we need to be writing books for sure
1: yeah you wouldn't want alchemicals to come out before say abyssals or sidereals or whatever yeah, they're that, always that, kind of happening. the last
0: piece yeah uh, yeah so, they're the last piece and, but they are
1: such an awesome piece
0: and i actually you know co-wrote the uh second edition autophonia books so I oh mean, wow nice i i love that part of the setting i also not sure i personally have much else to say about it but you know i'll be developing right. instead of writing so it's a different story So,
2: you think that Alchemicals are low on the priority list. It seems to me... Now, I know basically nothing about Alchemicals because we never played that stuff in our play-by-post things, but it seems to me like um, different lines have really rabid fan bases, but I personally am not sure which one people are like the most behind. So, which one would you feel is the highest priority in third edition other than solar since it was the core rulebook well and dragon blood because i mean that was clearly the the highest priority is that like are dragon bloods the main one that exalted fans want
0: well the thing we have to take into account here is not just which splats people want to play but which splats people need as npcs and which splats come with setting elements ah. that they need to incorporate into their games exactly. like when we're trying to schedule say sidereals we're not just worried about do you want to run a sidereal game but also do you need to have sidereal NPCs in your game and if you are dealing with heaven in your game you know how important is that and uh, The Abyssal's book is also going to carry with it a lot of Underworld materials, so we need to take that into account. And the thing about alchemicals is that what they bring with them is Autothonia, which is not part of creation. It's always been a purely optional setting element. You can have the uh, seal of Eight Directions, or whatever it's called, I don't actually remember, open up at some point in your campaign, but by default it's not there. So Mm. that's why it is... Probably at the bottom of the priority list because every other Exile type is either active in creation and or comes with some setting element that is relevant to creation and the alchemicals just don't hit either of those points.
1: Right. right. That makes sense. Huh. Yeah. But speaking of alchemicals and how awesome <laughs> they are... <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, of course, you can't think about those without thinking about this combination of magic and technology that we used to call Magitech. But what what role does Magitech play in the new edition? And I ask that because, you know, there is a lot of this talk about a kind of a reduction in um, focus on Magitech in the third edition, but Magitech it has its, its hooks in a lot of things in Exalted, not just in, you know, flying skateboards or whatever else, but like, I mean, I know we have essence cannons and I know we have um, war striders and all that stuff that are a part of third edition already. But then also you, you look back through the history of Exalted and you've got stuff like Helltech and Necrotech. And let me tell you, the first time I read the word Helltech in the Infernals book... I immediately went to our play-by-post forum, which at that time had been alive for several years, and I said, guys, I want this whole forum to be exalted only, and I want, you know, no more World of Darkness. Just want to play exalted, because this is the coolest game ever, and I'll tell you what, it was the word hell tech. That, like, pushed me over the edge. I was just like, okay, now we're talking about something in the realm of cool beyond which I have not seen before, right? So, um, so Magitech, Helltech, Necrotech, all of this stuff is just awesome, right? So, what, what truthfully is the role that all of this stuff plays in the third edition? Because we know it's still there, at least to some extent.
0: Well... 3rd edition, like 1st edition, draws pretty heavily on external prior sources like sword and sorcery material and 1920s, 30s weird fantasy and a whole lot of stuff that incorporates elements like, oh, there was an ancient civilization that, you know, had strange magics which are kind of like technology except not really. Well, also Final Fantasy. So... Yeah, it's, it's there, it's part of the setting. Part of what happened in 2nd edition, and possibly late 1st f- edition, was that it got entangled with mechanics in a way that I don't think was helpful to the game, because we got to a point mm-hmm. where, you know, he- not Helltech, uh, Magitech was like a thing, and it was generally better than non-Magitech equipment, and so you generally wanted to have it instead. In third edition, Mm. we are detaching it for the most part from mechanics. There are absolutely, you know, like you can find some sort of chain sword or some shiny thing that looks like it came out of Tron, and it will, you know, be an artifact and do cool artifact things, but isn't necessarily going to have a separate set of mechanical implementations.
2: Right. Oh, so you could—it's more just a cosmetic thing. If you want your diclave to be made out of. You know, pure blazing energy, then you can do that, but it still functions as the one you chose from the pages of arms of the chosen or something like that.
0: Uh, More or less, and certainly if you can tie that aesthetic into a unique mechanic for that artifact, go for it. It's probably going to be
1: And that's what I was going to say. The evocations seem to have just. Completely revolutionized this whole thing because, yeah, I mean, you you have this one ancient magic sword that's been forged for a thousand years that can summon volcanoes or whatever, and then you've got this other sword that's the same sort of artifact level, but this one, uh, you know, like you said, is a chain sword or an energy sword or something like that, and it has, you know, the energy sword, you know, looks like a lightsaber and it can like shoot a bolt of lightning or what, you know, it, it's just, all it is is dialing in the the uh, evocations. So that really you can kind of set that level yourself, I guess, then.
4: Yeah, I was so happy when Arms of the Chosen came out with all the evocation examples. Oh
1: yeah. It made beautiful
4: Yeah, it, it it gave me something to work off of, but that wasn't in the core. And
1: I'm gonna tell you, that bell shield is probably the coolest designed piece of equipment in that entire book. Oh, thank you. That, did you not did, read the did Wars you do that one? chapter? Uh, yeah, I did. You you did that one? Oh man, that is seriously genius. Like the whole, I love it when something introduces like a new uh, form of currency, like uh, you know power currency or whatever. And the fact that you like store up the vibrations in the shield that that you can then spend. I I was just blown away by that one. I was like, this is the... And I don't even even ever play with a shield. I don't have any characters that play with a shield. I don't even plan on making characters that play with a shield. But I was just like (laughs) so happy reading that particular write-up because it was so cool. And I had no idea... That you wrote it. I'm Like, literally, I, even if you didn't write it, you said, Oh, that's my worst enemy that wrote it. I'm like, Well, he's awesome. But, uh, but it's very cool that you wrote it. Yeah. Well, thank so, you.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah that, Vance and I each wrote close to half of the book, and Megan wrote the remainder. Um, uh, Vance also helped with the mechanics and everything. So, any given mechanic you liked in that shield might have been his. I can't tell offhand. Okay. It's been a while. Well, that
1: whole book is a grand slam home run. Yes, that, it's incredible. <laughs> That is really, I'm in, really in love
4: with the blue jade devil caster. Yeah, you use the blue
1: jade yes. devil caster. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, actually,
4: I actually said that my character found the lost one, which isn't uh, yeah. the one that's described in the book. Because I'm reading it, and I'm like, man, this is so cool. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this was a
1: pair. I want the other one. <laughs> that way... <laughs> that way you can introduce a, a new... Uh, yeah, a new that way you, it's a little bit to. of
4: mine. It's like I take yeah. your cool idea and then I can kind of run with it a little bit in my direction.
2: Right. This is something that I've been trying to figure out how to use in my in my home game, which is the idea of past incarnations for Solars and that they can, uh, you know, sometimes either knowingly reach back in into those past incarnations or uh, maybe subconsciously do it or whatever. Um, but when I looked in the book, I, I couldn't really find any guidance on how that might work. So I was wondering, um, how would you advise people to use past
0: incarnations in their own game? Carefully. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean... I personally love using the past life stuff. My original campaign was chock full of it. But it can also sort of take over your game. And sometimes... Mm-hmm. sometimes players really don't want past life stuff and the storyteller does. Sometimes the player really wants it and the storyteller doesn't. And it's something where you really need to be on the same page. Ideally, we are going to cover this to some degree in the storyteller's guide when we get around to it. But I think that until you do that, the most important thing is simply for the entire group to sit down, talk about it, and figure out what you want out of it.
2: So that could be something like, hey, we all agree that we can... It will reach back to any of our incarnations, or no, maybe it's only under extreme duress, and whatever you can tap into is maybe even unreliable, that kind of thing?
0: In general, the way I've used it and seen it played is that it's more of a, a story hook mechanic. The storyteller tells you, oh, you remember this, or sets you up with you right. have a scene in which you flash back to something that happened in the first stage as given there's no mechanics for i reach back to my memories and now i remember how to do this thing if you want to do that that's probably some kind of custom charm
2: okay Mm -hmm. cool nice Ooh, a charm even interesting
0: i'd probably put that under lore maybe integrity i'm not sure
2: oh man
0: Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. very cool Or my present incarnation's mind is blown. That might be the most straightforward way to attack it.
2: Ooh, I like that too. Very
1: cool. Well, let me get real serious for just a moment, if I may.
0: (laughs) Oh, dear. Where is this going? (laughs) I didn't have that many drinks last night. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Do you believe that Exalted is the best tabletop role-playing game in existence
0: i think that whether a role-playing game is good or bad depends upon your personal tastes i love it but i can't speak for everyone i wouldn't want to i
1: am i am imagining that there are a lot of people out there that currently play other fantasy role-playing systems that if only they knew how amazingly awesome Exalted is! Like you could play a you know this giant shape shifting you know mega monster thing. You can you can play a character that can wipe out a group of five hundred strongmen in a single you know in a single combat. You could it, like if there were people that knew how awesome some of the artifacts were and how awesome some of the setting was, Gosh, they would just so good it is right <laughs> that, that, that that they would that they would immediately want to latch onto this and get into it. So. How do we grab the attention of those people? Have there been some ideas tossed around about how that could be done?
0: We've been discussing doing a rules light version of Exalted. We have not written a pitch yet. Uh, There's no guarantee this is ever going to happen, but it is something we have seriously been thinking about, and we know that Onyx Path is at least, in principle, open to the possibility.
1: That is incredible. That's good. I mean... I want to say, like those two guys just said, that is incredible. But part of me is like, no, me want rules heavy, uh, exalted.
0: We <laughs> 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 have no intention of stopping the current line in order to like, right, convert right. to rules. light. Like, if this does get approved, if it does happen, I don't know what that would mean going forward. So I'm just not going to think about it right now.
3: Right.
4: Corey, you just still, have to realize some people need floaties. To get into the deep end. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know you like uh, swimming and, you know, doing the butterfly stroke and all that. No, you know, no, no, man. I'll tell I'm you, as
2: a brand new storyteller.
4: <laughs> the floaties.
2: Yeah, a br- having been a brand new storyteller, running a game that is kind of overwhelming, all, in a good way. I, like, this is by no means a criticism of Exalted, obviously. But it's kind of an overwhelming game to run. And I was new. I don't know very much about it still. My players literally knew nothing except what they read on Wikipedia. Um, I think that a rules light uh, option is genius because some of the stuff, like Eric said earlier, can be a little mechanics intensive. And, um, you know, in a game that is setting intensive... That's two things that could potentially turn someone off where it's like, no, there's too many mechanics to learn and there's too much lore to learn. Well, if one of those things can be much more amenable to a newer player, that's one more person that's getting turned on to Exalted. And that's a win. Right. Okay, so have you ever considered published campaigns or adventures? Uh, You know, something akin to what Paizo does for Pathfinder. I feel like that's another one of those potential barriers to entry i know that was the thing that i feared the most myself was that having run pathfinder for gosh like the past 15 years almost exclusively i've never had to work to create a story i just grab what the professionals made and it's all been really good um and then i just read read it you know, do a little bit of prep work the night before and the day of and then run it and it's been really easy. And then when I got to Exalted, I was like, oh gosh, there is literally no pre written stuff other than the quick start, which I did run. Um, but is that something that we might see in the future?
0: Adventures for Exalted are difficult because you have, you have so much power <laughs> you have so much flexibility there's so many things you can do there's so many things you might want to do it's not Dungeons and Dragons where you know, you're know you supposed to by default be in a situation where the storyteller gives you a plot hook and you follow it uh, the, I mean obviously right. that's not necessarily how you run say Pathfinder Dungeons and Dragons but it's sort of like something you can do when you're starting out but in Exalted it's really never aimed at that but we do obviously have tomb of dreams and there's going to be a scenario of sorts in heirs the shogunate Um, it's for the war in the west yes exactly it's based on the sort of structure that was in the crusaders of the machine gods scenario back in first edition book time of tumult which is very loose very open-ended very much This is stuff that will happen. These are points where your characters might come in and do things in different ways. This is how things might change as a result. So it's really not hmm. the same as this is the Tomb of Horrors. If you go left, you go into the demon head and you die. But uh, we're going to continue to try and present some sort of scenario options as going forward to the extent that we can do it with Exalted.
2: Is that something that's going to fall also into uh, the Storyteller's Guide? Or, I forget what you called it.
0: The Storyteller's Guide would not be much of a Storyteller's Guide if it didn't guide you in telling a story. So I am assuming that when we end up writing the outline, there will be material on, hey, you want to run an adventure, here's how. Um, It's not actually going to have a scenario in it, because where would we find room? But yet, yeah, definitely give you some guidance on how to get started. What are the tricks of the trade? What are the pitfalls to avoid? Cool.
2: That oh man, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> like I need, I definitely need something like that. I That's do, awesome. and I think that would be an invaluable resource to, well, specifically beginner players, but or storytellers, but storytellers of all experience levels. So I will definitely. Go ahead and set some money aside for that thing. (laughs) And I've set it aside. All right.
1: (laughs) We want to move into just uh, some questions that we have gathered from around the web, and we'll do these a little bit more rapid fire and uh, just see how how you answer these. So Charles, why don't you get us started with this?
2: Okay. Well, this has changed since you said that Lunars may or may not get a Kickstarter, but let's assume that all of the splats get a kickstarter what are some stretch goals you're thinking about for the companion book for the lunars kickstarter
0: Ooh, i actually have written out a list that i've been updating and continuing to add things to <laughs> so, well i mean yeah, i mean a lot of it is stuff that's pretty default like more lunar charms and some moon solar artifacts and uh mm. Quick character versions of pre existing lunars, you know, pull in some first edition characters that people like, Uh, maybe the call quick characters for like the various uh, lunars that we mentioned there in the realm. Uh, uh, (laughs) More lunar dominions, more animals. Um, More
3: animals! (laughs) 500% more animals! (laughs)
0: maybe talk about uh, the War for the Call as a scenario, kind of like the War in the West. Do you have... Here's another one. Let's just,
1: again, rapid fire here. Do you have any advice for making balanced encounters? Anything maybe like the challenge rating system in D20 games, something where people can just quickly uh, decide, oh, this is going to be a challenge to my party, or this is too weak, this is too strong, whatever.
0: Well, I tend to come from the perspective of part of the challenge is figuring out how challenging something is actually going to be and decide with whether or not and how you want to deal with it so i don't really think in those terms i think it would be useful to have a system like that but i'm not sure you really can with exalted vance would be a better person to talk about for this because he's the mechanics guy
2: how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood does it have charms (laughs) <laughs> well, what if the woodchuck was a lunar? Oh,
0: well, <laughs> which does he have? <laughs> and if he I oh, believe man.
1: if you assume a spherical woodchuck lunar in a vacuum, <laughs> the answer is 42. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Goodness, <gracious. laughs> oh, man. I like how he quickly a...
4: asked, "What charms does he have?" That was yeah. the best. <laughs> you have to ask
0: witcher magician about this one. I don't know. Okay.
4: <laughs> Depends if it's a full moon or a no moon woodchuck. <laughs> with deadly beastman transformation. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you plan on expanding on the eras mentioned in the arms of the chosen?
0: We have a timeline not like sort of an exact history because who has the time or energy or need for that but we have a general sense of like what's going on with various historical eras. We don't really want to discuss them like in textbook format because as noted before that sort of leads people to start talking about them as if they were more important than you like the death order you're fighting right. but uh, they'll come up again um, you'll see some of the same eras referenced possibly from different perspectives. We're probably not planning to do a, you know, book of history, if that's the question. Right.
2: Do you have a good way that you use to name all of these things, like exalts and charms and all that good stuff?
0: Names? Yeah, people have trouble with this. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry to say that names are the hardest thing, they are hard for us as well. I have been known to spend, like, an entire day trying to find the name for something, which is not the most efficient use of my time. (laughs) Uh, But everyone has their own techniques. I will often look up real-world history mythology things that are sort of related to what I'm talking about and then sort of smoosh them together until they don't sound quite recognizable anymore. And I often find that that gives good results. But other people use different techniques.
1: How are the... uh... That that's about all the listeners' questions we had right now. But wanted to come back just real quickly to kind of the the, the Kickstarter that was wrapped up here uh, within the last few months, the Dragonblood Kickstarter. How are the backer charms going with the Dragonblood backers? Do you have anything to do with that?
0: Yes, that um, is still in first drafts. Neither Vance nor I have seen anything yet. We won't see any of that yet for weeks. Oh, okay. We started first drafts on air to so shogunate much earlier than usual sort of as an experiment you know why not so it's been running at the same time that we have been getting drafts for lunars so it's going to be exactly. a much longer first draft period than usual and we won't actually do their red lines until we are done developing lunars
4: all right well the last question that
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, it would we be the- out of time
4: it wouldn't, yeah. be, wouldn't be the deliberative podcast if we didn't ask this.
2: Uh-oh. What are you going to give me?
3: What
4: is the status of the immaculate dragon armor?
1: And be careful how you answer this because there is a kinetic orbital
0: bombardment uh, <laughs> prepared. This guy has a few suits left. They keep them carefully polished and maintained in their armories. They are not used very often. If you were talking about mechanics, Uh, we haven't really, you know, set out to do dragon armor the evocations yet. We might have done it if we had gotten more stretch goals, but we just don't have Oh
1: Oh, wait, hold on. Let me let me pull that four and a half foot long die clave out of my heart for a second.
3: (laughs) 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 Try the short die clave,
1: it works better. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh burn
1: <laughs> oh no it was right there it was just it was dangling but honestly I feel should... like Schindler at the end of Schindler's
0: list I could have sold
1: this I could have sold this we could have had the Immaculate Dragon armor
0: seriously though you should be able to take uh, the Gunzosha the Gunzosh armor. Look at how that's implemented, and then just apply some of the sort of look and feel of that to more badass elementally flavored armor, like Mela's Coil in Arms of the Chosen. We might be able to put in a sidebar or something, but you know that's pretty much you know how you would go about it.
1: Yeah, well, you know we had the idea. We've mentioned a couple of times that if you uh, if you just did like. You know, a $5 a, a month subscription to the five Immaculate Dragon armors and just <laughs> yeah. put them out one at a time. Like, there, I know you would at least sell like three full sets of those. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> Such profit. That like a very efficient
1: use of our time. Yeah. Oh, man. I oh, believe man. our character seed of the week this week comes from one of our deepwild.com members jeffrey who's actually telling the he's the storyteller for the sinking of the emerald lightning which is going on right now at deepwild.com and he sends in this character seed the concept is oath-breaking warrior It is not an easy life you chose, to fight the greatest of enemies, to slay the most lethal of monsters, to stand when everyone else knelt, to never give up, to never stop caring for those under your care, to always be there for your charges and not to do harm. You failed. You can see his face, a small teenage boy, one who came to you bleeding from infected wounds and you did not help him. The reasons, the excuses you told yourself, helped you sleep for a week or two, but soon that was not enough. That young man is dead because you broke your oaths. The drink and the pipe called to you, but you had seen too many women and men drained to nothing, and their suffering magnified. So you turned to the sword. If you could not heal that man, then you would stop a dozen or a hundred other young people from being hurt. Every slash is a violation of who you are and what oaths you have done, and every corpse you make is one more that cannot harm another. Very cool seed, Jeffrey. Oathbreaking warrior, and his example character is Arban, daughter of Hungar. And so we will post up Arban and her uh, sample character sheet and this character seed on FivePoles.com shortly after this episode goes live. So look for that there. And thanks again to those who submit character seeds. And if you have a character seed or a story seed that you would like to submit to us, please do so. Send it to the deliberative podcast at gmail.com we would love to put it on the air all right guys well that about wraps it up for this week eric we are so thankful that you decided to come on here and talk to us and i know that you're a very busy dude but uh do you have some social media links or other places that folks can find you or more of your work on the web or maybe that uh campaign write up that you spoke of before where can folks find your stuff
0: Uh, Well, I post regularly on the Onyx Path Exalted forums. There's an Ask the Devs thread where people ask us questions. And uh, I also post sometimes on RPGNet where somewhere buried in the actual play forum is uh, a whole bunch of posts on my original campaign, which was called 10,000 Broken Dreams. So it's still floating around somewhere. It shouldn't be too Mm. hard to find. Uh, Sounds like
1: that should be on James Bell's bookshelf. (laughs) <laughs> he kept referring to his bookshelf as the bookshelf
0: of broken trees, yeah. So. Yeah. uh, but yeah beyond that i've got you know facebook and twitter which i do not use anymore and i've got a blog which i hardly use anymore because i just don't have time anymore but they're they're there you can find them you can look at them you can be happy it'll be great <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I've, I've had a great time. And oh, uh, thank you so much for inviting me on. I do appreciate it.
1: Man, we have had a blast. You have been an awesome guest. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah,
2: And I do hope that we can do this again sometime. Corey, you can find me on the official Onyx Path forums as Lucky Chucky. I also run our Facebook page, The Deliberative Podcast, as well as our Twitter account, at Deliberative Pod.
4: You can always find me at our website at fivepoles.com or reach me direct at my email, james.fivepoles at gmail.com. I go by the username Reform Ninja on the forums. And on the Deep Wild forum, I go by Jay Wesley.
1: And for all game-related things, including the official Onyx Path forums and the DeepWild.com forums, I am Numapilot. And remember, if you have a question or issue that you would like us to discuss on The Deliberative, please send your question to us at thedeliberativepodcast at gmail.com. And if at all possible, send us a recording of yourself asking the question or making the comment. And listen, guys, I know we've had a lot to discuss the last couple of weeks. And I know we had a big episode where we cleared the register of all the old voicemails and whatnot. But we haven't gotten any since then. And we want to hear your beautiful voices. So please send us... A recording of yourself asking the question otherwise charles jim or myself are gonna have to make up one in a like a fake voice <laughs> and let and that, that sink
2: in <laughs> i'm gonna have to make up questions <laughs> 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 it'll literally be the end of the world <laughs> <Aww>.
4: <laughs> hey guys Wait. i want to let you know that christopher zacker left us and a review on itunes and any of you out there that could also leave a review, that would be great. Um, help That helps push us up to the top. That's what they tell us. And uh, tell your friends about the game of Exalted. And about our podcast. And
1: thank you, Chris, for the review. Thank you for listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. bye See ya.